Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for December 28, 2014. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jacks Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. The sermon today is entitled, New Year's Resolution, Unknowing God. happens every year, I am always amazed how quickly the air changes. There is a building excitement and a thrill of anticipation that fills the days before Christmas. That coming moment is as palpable in the air as the tinsel is ubiquitous in the neighborhoods and the malls, as incessant as the carols are on the radio stations. While I always brace a little against the commercialism we have made of our holy season, there is something wonderful and magical about it, though, isn't there? I love the feel of Christmas. And the feel of Christmas Eve, that service, has become what we prayed that it would be, a warm time of fellowship and spirit, a tradition for our families, and a moment of calm amid the storm to allow the wondrous secular celebration to be trumped for a brief moment, and maybe that is enough, with the pregnant air of something sacred. While I share my own moments of skepticism, I am not, to be sure, a determinist or a reductionist. Now, if those words mean nothing to you, that's fine. That's not important. What is important is to say that I believe at the bottom of all the Christmas stuff, there is still more. Still more, and I felt it with certainty this past week. The air of this room was filled with the more that I can only call God. Worship is the right word, too, and I am happy to name myself among the willing. The birth, the angels, the story, which is as true as all good stories are, worship. But then, in just a few hours, it's over. You know what I mean? As soon as you can say Merry Christmas, the mood changes and it's all gone except for the outings to the mall to exchange a few gifts and the trips up and down the attic stairs to put away baby Jesus until next year. You wake up the very next day, and even though a few decorations linger, the script has changed. Or maybe Happy New Year should have an equally hopeful ring to it, but somehow everything seems different. Instead of peace on earth, suddenly we're just hoping to shed 10 pounds that we put on in a week of fruitcake and eggnog. Instead of feeding hungry children, we're now just making promises to eat less chocolate, to exercise more. This year, I'm going to be a better person. Yeah, sure you are. Well, here's my New Year's resolution. For each of us, as we start a year in worship, reading and studying together, 
preaching and hearing the book of Mark as an act of discipline and worship, my hope is that each of us might begin this year unknowing God. If I were a Vulcan, you know, with the powers of the inimitable Dr. Spock, traveling the universe aboard the USS Enterprise, I might be tempted today as you walked out that back door to place my hand on one of your temples and whisper as he once did to Captain Kirk, forget, forget. Often, ignorance is our tragic flaw, but sometimes the flaw is the knowledge we possess or the knowledge we think we possess. As I read today's text, which will be our introduction to the oldest, shortest gospel in our Bible, I wondered if we would learn better this year if we really had a blank slate. Can I invite you as we begin studying together to forget forget what you've known of the gospels, forget what you've known of the story of Jesus, forget what you think you know of God and listen anew. Forget. As we begin our study, I offer my heart pre- heartfelt prayer that if perhaps we could all agree to seek unknowing together, the old gospel writer might give us together a better understanding of God. So that's my resolution. Happy New Year. Yesterday I was reading a commentary and I got to one sentence and I almost laughed out loud. The commentary said virtually all scholars agree that the parable of the sower is Jesus' most important parable. (coughs) They agree to that. They just can't agree what it means. Isn't that funny? All the scholars agree it's the most important parable. They just don't know what it means. That's funny. You might have to go home and think about that a while, but that's funny. (laughs) The irony there is just too great because Jesus tells this parable and then he is alone with his disciples who don't get it at all. And so they ask him to explain And his response has got to be one of the strangest comments found in all of the Bible. He says to the disciples, and I'm still thinking about those scholars who can't figure out what the parable means. Jesus says to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, those poor folk outside, everything comes in parables in order that They may look and not perceive, and listen but not hear, and understand, so that they may not turn again and be forgiven. And I'm thinking, what? Surely Jesus didn't mean that. Did he just say that? He tells things using insider jargon, you know, some kind of secret Christian code language, so that only the insiders will get it, and so that the outsiders will be left outside? Really? The disciples didn't get it. 
and the commentators don't understand what it means? Wow. There's a little known fact that as Jesus walked around the countryside in Galilee, he became known for a little sticker. It was kind of like a bumper sticker that someone had placed on his walking staff. It was written in Aramaic, and it said simply, Eshu obfuscation. <laughs> Get it? Wouldn't that just be the perfect sticker for Jesus' staff? Eshu obfuscation. You know, avoid making things difficult to understand. That's what it means, Eshu obfuscation. The perfect sticker for Jesus' staff. Did you just say that, Jesus? And so he explains to them, I said, I'm giving you the secret of the kingdom. I'm going to tell it in parables, which of course you won't understand, except you'll have me to explain it to you, but this will ensure that everyone else won't understand for good and won't ever be able to understand. Do you understand? I came to preach the good news, Mark says. This is Jesus' first words. I came to preach the good news. So if you have ears to hear, listen. Don't you understand? Eshoo obfuscation all over again. As I have told you before, we need to understand for starters and this is why we begin the study of the book of Mark here. For starters, we need to understand that spiritual truth is never easy to understand. Would you please write that down? Spiritual truth is never easy to understand, period. Jesus makes it clear when he's telling the disciples here, explaining the parables, it's never easy to understand. Let the evangelist tell it with football analogies. Or let the megachurch preachers make it applicable for your life today. I get so sick and tired of hearing about preachers who make things applicable for our lives today. Let the old preacher boil it down to three simple points in a poem, but if that is the only way you get truth, then it is probably not gospel truth. Spiritual truth is never easy to understand. If you listen to Jesus carefully, there's very little he ever says, maybe nothing, he ever says that is meant as a simple truism. Jesus did not preach in platitudes. He taught in parables. Because platitudes are true on only one level, and that is the very simplest surface level. But life is always multi-layered and more difficult than that. And we are constantly growing and learning and changing. So as soon as we learn the truth at one surface level, well, the surface changes. It's funny that the world's greatest scholars cannot agree on what the parable of the sower means. And more than a little ironic, because a parable does not have a meaning. 
which is precisely the point. Jesus couldn't tell one truth to the crowd because they weren't at the same place. And so he tells the story so Wendy can hear it where she needs to hear it. And Jeff can hear it where he is. And Patrick can understand it where he is. And Twyla will know it where she is. It's not one truth. It's truth. Jesus tells stories because stories are the best communicators of truth and always have been. Why those epic extended poems of the ancient world, the Iliad, and the Odyssey, except to torment high school students? Why? And why the great mythologies of Greece and Rome? And why Aesop's fables and Shakespeare's timeless dramas? Why Byron and Tennyson and Keats and Dickinson? And why now? Harry Potter, and the Hunger Games. Why? Because in all of these there is truth, and in all of these the passions that resonate within our own lives. There is the imagery that draws us in, and the story that is not our story, but, well, it could be our story, or maybe it is my story. The parable of the sower? Am I the sower or am I the seed? Or is my life the soil? Am I really hard-hearted and resistant to truth? Or am I greedy and arrogant, only willing to hear my truth? Or am I open to hear something new and listen, eager for truth wherever it will take me? And Jesus says, yes. Yes, you are. We are all of these at once. The truth Jesus is teaching his disciples in this text, I think it's actually not all that hard to understand, but we will have to open our ears and our minds and our hearts And you might have to begin to believe the preacher who will refuse to spoon-feed you has something right. You might have to finally decide for yourself that if you want to know the truth, you are going to have to go looking for it for yourself. And looking, prepared to do some hard work because that's what it is. Finding truth is hard work. Because though truth does not change, everything else does, always. You and I and all the world between us that constantly is filtering how we see and understand truth. And so it sounds like different truth when we're six than when we're 26 or 46 or 96. It sounds like different truth, but it's just truth. So we will have to listen today anew and anew again tomorrow. This strange truth about revealing the secret 
of the kingdom, about seeing and believing, about not seeing and not believing, is a tale about the nature of reality. The test, the text, is not meant as legalistic dogma defining who's in and who's out, how to judge, insiders and outsiders, who sees and who doesn't see. If Jesus is the secret of the kingdom, and for a gospel writer named Mark, Jesus is precisely the secret of the kingdom, then that secret becomes even more obvious to those who see it who know that truth. The mystery for us is solved. Everything falls into place. It becomes crystal clear. When the church began to believe Jesus was Messiah, the Messiah, but a spiritual Messiah, not a nationalistic Messiah, then all of those texts from the Old Testament began to sound differently. But they came together in a new way, a new truth for them. They started seeing things they had never seen before. It was all so obvious. There is nothing hidden that is not disclosed. But to those on the outside, that made no sense at all. And you know, the more Christians talk about it, for some people, the less sense it makes. It just sounds like a game to them, so they may indeed look and not perceive. It's the nature of reality. Once you have seen truth, it looks like everybody else ought to be able to see it too. But here's the thing about truth. As soon as you think you have got it, there is a danger of claiming some insider status which then threatens the whole enterprise of learning. Jesus is constantly reminding us that those who think they are insiders might actually be the outsiders. And the outsiders might actually be the insiders. Many who are first will be last And some will say, Lord, Lord, but I will say to you, go away from me, for I have never known you. You see, on the one hand, we are all outsiders. And Jesus invites us to know the love of God. Come on in. The water's warm. Join the party. On the other hand, all are insiders part of the family of God, but Jesus challenges us not to enjoy that comfort as some elite status because there is work to do. There are lost sheep who need returning to the fold. There are fish to catch. There are those who do not know they're in who need to be welcomed in. As any good teacher, Jesus does want us to understand, but he will not spoon-feed us the truth. There is nothing hidden except to be disclosed. But you might have to work to find it. And as all good teachers also know, a perpetual innocence, a touch of humility is required 
A wise, unknowing must mark the life of every disciple. Eugene Peterson puts it so well when he says that revelation, any revealing of truth is like arson. It secretly sets fire in the imagination until it finally renders a clear gospel of love. A pure gospel of hope, a purged gospel of faith. As we study together this year, that is my prayer. May it be so. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.